So I'll pick up some questions. I hope these are useful to you. Um, it's always you know, trying to find a balance because naturally when we questions, thinking your mind can scatter and some of it's uh, useful for exploration, Dhammavijaya, exploring, turning things over, yeah. Well, I'm looking at Dhamma in different facets, but too much of it, mind just gets stirred up and we go into speculation. So I'll see what I can do. So I'm mentioning Patikapassa, Patikapassa, which is impact, immediate contact impression when something as consciousness arises so we have visual organ visual consciousness uh, and contact so you get that immediate impact now because this consciousness is happening one of these six consciousnesses is happening they're flowing together but we might be looking at something, then suddenly there's kind of crash and hear a sound. So suddenly, you know, that impact, suddenly you become hearing consciousness. Do you see what I mean? You know, you can be looking at something interesting or daydreaming and then bang, and suddenly hearing consciousness arise. It weren't, you weren't deaf, but the consciousness, hearing consciousness not being impacted. It was potent, it was potential, and then something impacts, so suddenly you become hearing consciousness and the visual stuff sort of for a moment isn't important. That, that disappears or goes into the background. So this hearing consciousness impact. You know? So that moment of contact, sometimes it's abrupt. Um, you know, walking down the stairs, you want to make sure you, know, you tap, 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 feet on the floor. Uh, so <laughs> don't drift off <laughs> into daydreams. <laughs> yeah. So impact consciousness, that's impact impression. Um, so as I was su- suggesting, there's this uh, in the Mahanidana Sutta, the Buddha talks of um, two kinds of contact. The Mahanidana, that's in the, that's in the long discourses, um, the great discourse on uh, causation. Mm. Um, so he says, they also you have this Adiwajanapasa, which is the designations, which means we dang sound and then, oh, it's, it's, a, oh, it's a bell. Oh, it's traffic. Oh, it's somebody dropped something. Or I don't know what it is. It's some crashing thing. Yeah. So getting a name for it. You see what I mean? Uh, so then, that, then the things start moving. We start to get images, narratives going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that that's what remains. The main thing that remains is not the sound, but this is kind of what the mind has made of it. You know, if you listen to an irritating sound like somebody hammering back, 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 back. Actually that's that's that. But the problem is who's that banging away? This is a meditation retreat. Who's banging that hammer? How insensitive. People are banging hammers during a retreat, you know. <laughs> so well that 
narrative flares up out of you get the image of some guy bashing away you think you know completely insensitive so in this really the adivajana develops a narrative where we really start to get emotionally stirred you see so that then that becomes a really strong thing but actually if we can just hear that bang 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 I don't care what it is bang 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 so what you know um, so then you get just back to impact and it doesn't, you don't get this flaring up. So that's a practice in its own right. Because you don't really know why and who, but you do know bang, bang, bang. And is bang, bang, bang suffering? <laughs> so how to, uh, certainly with the Adivajana is the main topic but also it's just that sense of being impacted can be quite, kind of send a shock. So impact means contact, energy, energy shifts suddenly, doesn't it? You know, in a kind of fairly serene state and then suddenly it jumps. That's the jitta. The jitta jumps. The energy of the jitta is suddenly stirred. Right? There's jitta again. So that's, that's not a sound. Uh, that's that's jitta. Jitta is the one that jumps. Not the sound doesn't jump. The ears don't jump. The jitta jumps. Okay. So again, you know that perhaps is unavoidable to some extent. But how would it be possible for that to? Since we are in a world where there are sounds banging away and sights and things like that, to just have less of that banging while you withdraw your jitta. Yeah, from from sense contact. Okay, so that there's the difference in um, jitta and vijnana. Uh, sorry, uh, jitta and consciousness. So the jitta, you could say it's heart consciousness. It, this word consciousness can be used in a number of ways, but the vijnana is very much about contact, feeling, perception. You know, to withdraw from that uh, means that first of all, your jitta is you've kind of trained it to to recognize this is going to happen and you, know, you say you know first of all you're kind of placing it much more keeping it in its in itself okay so samadhi is well okay samadhi is the jitta entering itself okay, so when we are uh when samadhi occurs Right, the jitta is this experience of gladness, uplift. These are jitter effects. There's a buoyant, rapturous feeling, ease. Jitta starts to feel really comfortable. The sankharas begin to settle down as the emotional impulses start to settle down, and then the jitta enters itself. It means it enters into this kind of steady pool of of energy you could say you know, it enters into itself and settling there and stuff is banging around outside but it's it is in here and that that's kind of, that's a sort of really helpful thing to be able to uh, have some entry into samadhi to know what we're talking about you know, because it's not about focusing on a particular sensation it's though so that may help if the sensation is smooth and comfortable, but it's really samadhi, the jitta enters itself. 
its own energy field. So instead of that jumping, 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 or frayed, or sagging, the hindrances, or brittle, sluggish, it becomes smooth and soft and comfortable. And then mm, it, it, it focuses on itself, it draws itself in, its energies are, are collected rather than kind of scatty and, 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 and fragile. Mm. That's the kind of big picture, you could say, of, of uh, mindfulness and samadhi. Mm. Okay, so clearly maybe we're not in samadhi or we don't have that much capacity for it. Mm. But still, again, you know, the most probably for an ordinary person, you know, most important is to, you know, staying in your body. Uh, because the uh, the random impact comes from sights and sounds, which very much externalize, throw you, you know, and you have no say over them. You can't tell whether the next moment's going to be a hammer or a chainsaw. You can't do anything about it. But you do have some say over whether your body's standing, walking, sitting. So you're trying to you know get more and more familiar with doing just that. Okay? So this is not on a super samadhi, but this is the establishment of mindfulness, right? Mindfulness of body. Okay. Yeah, which I think I've mentioned. Mindfulness of body. So and the body says, then you're safe in here, you're safe. This is a safe place because in this, yeah, there's some twinges and some pangs come in, of course, but also there's something about the, the body as you, the body has both a sensory aspect, tactile, and an energetic aspect. It breathes, it's dynamic, it's lively, its energy is running through it. Now, if we can give more and more attention to this energetic aspect, vitality, prana yeah. um, then you get like you begin to kind of get more and more familiar with doing just that staying with that you know, noticing and and then this kind of gives you a, a little bit inching away from the tactile yeah. so it's a kind of like you're slightly you know gathered in to the energy body so what does this play out as say you're walking down the street you can wear the movement of your legs okay not giving just peripheral attention to your eyes feeling that gentle swinging and the warmth of the body and you're kind of staying in there and your chitta is not gripping it hard but resting in it you know like almost it's a, called absorption you 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 rest into that yeah um, and, and so then the sense consciousness is is there but it's, it's more peripheral we have a little bit of choice over what we go out to and then even then if you like that then you get this bang crash and it does impact, but your chitta goes and it returns back to the energy body. And okay, so there's the feet, what's happening in the belly, 
breathing out and it pretty soon comes out of that shock state it doesn't run out fighting with sound or with somebody who did it it doesn't proliferate so this idea Vajna Pasa you cut it off okay okay you see what I mean so you heard a bang crash do you need to know who did it do you need to go out and pick it up quarrel with them What do you need to do? Just settle. So you, you terminate or you eliminate or you reduce the adivajana, the, the naming. Right? As I said, the Buddha, so this is the naming aspect. And the Buddha said, this world is covered with name, people are entangled with name. With the breaking up of name and form, there is the liberation, is the breaking up of name and form. Yeah. So this nama is, you know, it's a violent word, isn't it? Breaking up, but just that sense of how when this stuff grips you, you go into endless inner turmoil and you cut it off. You don't need to know. What you need to know is how your chitta can be carried carefully and not run out into ill will, not run out into blaming, not run out into fascination. You know, something beautiful fragrance comes in. Okay, it's a fragrance. What's it got to do with me? You know. <laughs> so that's the whole point of sense restraint is to build up that and to keep yourself in that. So you, you're safe. And the interesting, you know, thing is that if you if you cultivate that, then even when sense sense impact happens, it's like it's it's just you've got a almost like a cushion. Rather than living at the edge of your nerves where everything just jangles you, you kind of draw back. You know, so people sometimes live right at the edge of their skin, so so sensitive. So sensitive, and just to draw draw away from that, to into inward, inwardly into the chitta, yeah. Yeah. and so you know you can do that if you're in a subway train or something. There's a crank, 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 bang, and stuff going on. Just sitting there, okay. You know, people moving around. And okay, here I am, breathing in, breathing out. And nobody's bothering me, I'm not bothering anybody else. You know, you keep yourself gently held in that safe context in your energy body. Uh, and you learn to um, mod- moderate your energy body. Okay, using a term like energy body, kaya sankara. Kaya Sankara, so this is what it's ter- termed at, or bodily formation. Yeah. Mm. What does this mean, bodily formation? It means, you know, we're speedy, jumping around. No, you're right, okay, I'll get do that, hurry up. That's a bodily formation. It's actually forming how your body's manifesting. Yeah. Or you're getting kind of... 
flaring. Ah, oh, right, flaring up, heating up, getting over overcooked, overexcited, yeah. Yeah. or or angry, or depressed, depleted. What's the point? You know. So these definitely form your, your body, and they then based upon that, your behaviours start using that as a basis. In other words, you when you bodies in that state then naturally emotions and mind states that correspond to that start happening so it's really important to keep that kaya sankara just nice and steady you know comfortable and you can do this just walking downstairs walking to where you need to go turning down sense contact breathing in breathing out and and then when you do hear things that's what's happening suddenly it you get that shock runs through it. Okay, drop the sound, go to the shock effect, steady the shock effect. Don't follow the sound, follow the shock, and then release it, relax it. So that that place becomes your home base. Yeah? So you're not living at the edge of your skin, you're not living at the edge of the sense world, being, being hit by it. You're living in your energy body where it's a bit more uh, comfortable and useful. Moderate our emotions in there. Without this, we're pretty much very vulnerable. Very vulnerable. So as we're touching into that topic, someone also talks about these two kinds of contact. Understand the context on contact, impact and impression. How do we link with this with cause and effect to action that we take? Well, I think with the impressions, Adivajana Pasa, you've got to be paused because you might not get, have got it right. Your first most certainly the first impression will be a pretty uh, not very accurate one. You know? So the first impression is, is often a reaction. Just that. So it's, it's a, you know, so you don't want to act upon your first take, your first impression of something. Just pause, let that, because that's, how can you get it right first time in a second? <laughs> yeah. So you just wait. And you feel, what's in there? Is there fear, anxiety, ill will, uh, compulsiveness, craving? You don't want any of that. So you just get that first impression, just see what kind of um, qualities. Uh, is this a perception but is saturated with ill will? Or, um, you know, um, so you don't want that one. So let's let that one go. The reaction pass. Uh, and so then after your first reaction, first impression has passed and you've kind of s- settled, settle a little bit. This may take a second or two or longer. Uh, and then again, what happens? What, the, what is the contact? You might find then actually there's nothing you need to do. Or at least you try to consider where your if your energy is, is your, your response is going to be kind of 
something you feel good about, like your whole whole sense of your heart is quite comfortably with that, with your response, and you respond from that uh, wholesome wholesome state. So the f- first react, first Im- impact, first re- first response will probably be a reaction. Let it pass. Check out whether it's got fear, anxiety, craving, ill will in it. Just let that one go. It's often the case that's it. But then let that one pass, and then you know what is a what is a more what is a more authentic response to to what's happening. Uh, this is a wonderful possibility because this way we get out of set patterns and set reactions. And unfortunately, part of our mind would like to have immediate handy answers to every situation before it occurs. <laughs> so we immediately got the right thing to do. But then this is artificial. Artificial. So the right response will come from the elimination of reactivity, trust, which your awareness will bring up. You've got to let the reaction die down and then start. So any movement of intent any movement of intent should be accompanied by some kind of goodwill. Or at least not by ill will. And through some quality of non-grasping. So openness to it. Okay, this, she said this. I found it a bit challenging. Okay, impression. She doesn't like me or whatever. Just oh, stop that down. And um, I might say, well, well, rather, well, how are you today? What's happening for you? You, know, you just kind of open up, interest. Or, um, could you say that again? <laughs> could, you, could you clarify what you mean? You know? So you just kind of, so you don't have to immediately get the immediate answer. You want to get an authentic response to get clear about what's going on what's needed and and recognize you most situations don't have an answer you've got to you've got to it's got to happen it's got to arrive most situations you don't have an immediate answer if you do it's probably fake most situations you go, um, well, it could be, but how would that be? You know, you've got to kind of, kind of build it up. And often with people, you've got to kind of negotiate. Let me know, how does that sound to you? And so that we, we build an answer, we let an answer grow. And that way, that, that breeds trust and goodwill between people. So just simply the first action is not is not to act. <laughs> the first action to bear in mind is don't act. Don't react. 
and then wait for your, something to come for awareness. This could be tentative, not the final answer, but at least to the beginning of it. Open into that, see where it goes. How do you know if a spiritual teacher is best for an individual? How does a lay person, person search for the right, the right spiritual teacher? Well, hopefully there could be more than one. Uh, you know, we can learn from a few few people. Uh, you know, different things. Oh, that's he, you know, she has this, he has that. They teach this. That's interesting. You know, you could learn from a few, uh, and really, um, you know, both you feel a sense of trust is important. Trust doesn't necessarily happen immediately. Uh, maybe. So the Buddha said, "Well, when you when you hear someone teaching you, you just draw clear. You listen to them. You listen, and something that they say strikes you, and you take it in, and you investigate for yourself. And then, oh yeah, I get it. Ah, this person speaking truth." Now, if that's happening on a fairly regular basis, <laughs> that what they're saying is actually you're, you're getting it, you're able to listen to what she or he says, you take it in and then explore it for yourself. Explore it for yourself. Until it, until it, yeah, this one, me, this one is useful for me. Then, ah, oh, this person is giving teachings that for me right now work. So at least the teaching is a good teaching. Still, we want to recognize, you know, that's fine. But we're not going any further in terms of commitment because we all want to see uh, this person over a longer period of time. Do you see their conduct? Do you feel comfortable with, they're confident with? Yeah. Over a good period of time, their conduct is something you feel comfortable, confident with. They're not doing kind of weird things, <laughs> or things you don't want to be with, or taking you out of, uh, you know. So then, you know, for, and then this person actually does what they say, <laughs> and then what they say, they're actually doing it, and you can see them living in results. Mm -hmm. This is because, um, you know, you, you, people can have quite brilliant minds, but they're not necessarily pure in heart. They can have some great ideas, but they haven't actually fully practiced them. <laughs> they can have some wonderful turns of phrase and some charismatic expressions, but actually they've got some very unawakened aspects and unfortunately, this is the case, and it leads to immense loss of faith. So don't place your faith until you feel it's something, it's conduct, they're living what they're doing, they're also, their relationship to you, they're not demanding anything, not saying you've got to obey me, they're not demanding anything of you, it's an open thing, you pick it up, so you feel, yeah, this person I feel comfortable with 
with them. And then even if they don't have much good to say, you still get a good teaching. <laughs> because your heart feels comfortable and steady, you feel confident, you feel, yeah. I mean, some of the forest teachers hardly hardly said anything. But they lived such impeccable lives, their, 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 their teaching was their, what they did. You know, and you can model their teaching and what they did and what they didn't do. And you get a teaching, even though they just say, well, you know, do good and don't do bad. <laughs> That's not that <laughs> fantastic. But actually, when you see what they meant by that, <laughs> you know, living modestly and gently and restraint, and they don't grab at requisites, and they're not demanding praise, and they're not pompous, you think, yeah, this is this is genuine. No, just flashy speeches, but genuine dhamma. If you meet someone like that, you've found a jewel. So, person, I noticed that a good amount of what you've taught us is not dhamma, but an approach to life that corroborates with Taoist philosophy and possibly other traditions I'm less familiar with. For example, activating the energy body and Tandien rather than being stuck in the head. Now, I don't think I actually mentioned this phrase, Tandien. <laughs> so you must know more Taoism than I do. <laughs> um, but I'm just joking because I do know what you mean, but I don't think I've actually used that phrase this time round. Uh, so rather than being, stuck, being in the energy body, rather than being stuck in the head and to be aware of consumption culture. I see, I see how you teach this way since the Buddha didn't leave any specific technical instructions on how, how exactly to practice mindfulness in the four postures. So what you said yesterday about beginning with the back foot and leaving the past behind has been very helpful, sadhu. It, um, okay. So, since there are teachings like Qigong that are not Dhamma, yet beneficial, as we explore with what works best for us, how can we be sure to tell true Dhamma from false Dhamma? When true Dhamma disappears in 2,400 years, what religion do you recommend? Well, I think I'd go for anything that gets you out of suffering and stress, I'd give for, I'd go for that. <laughs> That's the religion I teach. <laughs> yeah. So, when, interesting if you, you know, if you, when we do this recollection of the Dharma, you know, what is the true Dharma? Santitiko, Akaliko, Ehipasiko, Panayako, Pachatang, Vedidapo, Vinuhi. So, what's that mean? Directly. Santitiko, directly visible, directly perceivable. Akaliko, timeless, not bound up with changing circumstances. Something's got a continuing quality to it, whether it's 2,000 years ago or today. Ehipasiko, uh, it invites you. Come and have a look at this. You're kind of, hmm, interesting. Openaiko, it takes you inwards or it's, it's relevant, it's pertinent. It, it gets you. It touches your your sore spots, or it touches your 
your your interest, you light up. It's just, this is taking me somewhere I need, I want to go. Vachitong Vedidapo Vinuhi, to be thoroughly known by wisdom, by the wise. So that's the definition of Dhamma. Notice in that no eightfold path, no four establishes the mindfulness, no <laughs> insight, meditation, no <laughs> what happened to Buddhism. <laughs> <It's all dis- laughs> What's the true Dhamma? So we have the uh, verbal Dhamma, of which there are many different kinds, actually, even in, even in Buddhism, you know, even in Theravada, what we call Theravada, there are many different kinds of word constructions. You know? Which is the true one? Is it the, you know, we follow the Yoga Charins, the Majamikas, Zen, Dantian, you know? Nishiren? Vajrayana, Tantra Yoga, which is the true Dhamma. <laughs> Emptiness, Majamika, <laughs> mind only, Yoga Charins. Uh, they all said they're the true Dhamma. Because <laughs> that was what was true for them, I guess. You go into what we call Theravada, we call this term Theravada. Well, yeah, about that, because uh, we look into that, you know, most of the Vipassana, what we call the Vipassana tradition, well, that's, um, you don't find that in the suttas. That's something that was generated in Sri Lanka about a thousand years after the Buddha, and then is very much more formulated in Burma in the 18th century. Okay. Abhidharma, how true is that? Well, yeah, well, that was probably about 200 BC <laughs> when they started trying to create these lists of things. Some of it clashes with what the suttas say. What's the true Dhamma? Yeah. So when Sariputta and Moggallana were wanderers and they weren't yet following the Buddha, they had other teachers. And then they saw this Arahant, I think it was Asaji, walking along. This Arahant was really... You can see, wow, this fellow, you know, serene, bright, buoyant, clear, composed. He was, he got, you know. So they, so Moggallana goes up and says, friend, what are your teachings? He says, oh, I'm a follower of the, of the Tathagata, the great summoner. What does he teach? Well, you know, I'm new at this. <laughs> I can't tell you exactly everything he teaches because I'm pretty new at this. He was an arahant. He said, well, just give us, give us a gist. Just give us the main thing. Give us the true Dharma. He said, okay, well, what he teaches is um, all things that arise from a cause, he teaches what that cause is and he teaches how it ceases. This is the teaching of the great Samana. And Moggallana went, ah, Oh, wow. And clearly had a big realization, goes back and tells Sariputta, Sariputta, we've got to find this Buddha, this, this Gautama fellow, we've got to find him. This, this is the deathless. Yeah. So for them, that, yeah. Right. And so that, that phrase, that, those, those verses were written down on 
stone slabs and sent all over Southeast Asia. It's stupid, because this was the true Dhamma. As long as that's there, Buddhism will continue. Other people say the Four Noble Truths is the true Dhamma. I, I agree with all of that. You know. Now, what helps you to stop suffering? What helps you to stop suffering and stress? So, uh, now, what I don't say, I don't say Qigong is Buddhism. It's not. <laughs> it's not the true Dhamma, it's Qigong. <laughs> I don't say it is. But I'm saying it does help you to understand what Kaya Sankara is, the bodily energies, does help you to get your body in a better condition. So you can uh, do things like Anapanasati, walking meditation, uh, in a way where you're not constantly impacted with sense contact and you've got a refuge place. So I offer that. Um, and um, 2,400 years' time, we'll see. But um, I've got a feeling it, any way you can stop suffering, I'd go for it. Because <laughs> the true Dharma is purity of heart. And we can uh, just purity of heart. And what words, what systems help that to become manifest for you? Can we spread positive energy in a toxic environment, especially in work? If yes, how? Or are we foolish trying to manage with compassion, dealing with energy Dracula? Yeah, there's a lot of vampires around. Yeah. Well, before you know, before you spread positive energy in a toxic environment, first thing to do is not pick up the toxic energy. That's that's plenty already. You cannot pick up the toxic energy. Yeah. So you're feeling steady, comfortable, and uh, this is not just something too esoteric. It means you know you're not your chitta is not getting activated in fearful, anxious, pressurized, urgent, snappy, irritable, aggressive ways, and that will certainly help as long as you stay within the body. And naturally, what will occur is you stay within that, and your chitta is not being shaken. That energy will spread. Because the energy is not in a box, you know. It's it's it, uh, our body energy does stream out around us. Yeah. So it does doesn't we're not just it's not all inside. It comes out through the skin. Yeah. And clearly, your your heart energy, your emotional energy. Uh, you know, you, you can generally sense when people are tense or closed, they're cold and hard. You know, and you can sense that, you know, the energy is closed and hard, or when it's kind of open and warm. So we can be sensitive to that. And um, you kind of maintain your own, what I call that, the private space, or your personal space, it's not completely private because it's, it's, you know, it's kind of around you and you're staying in that. And clearly, you know, people can 
walk right close to you, move past you, but you don't necessarily engage your chitta with them. And it's just, okay, she's saying this, she's saying that, he's doing this, he's doing that, and I'm staying in this. You know, uh -huh, okay, okay, but uh, I can acknowledge, but I'm staying with this. And then really, say, if you're in a work situation, probably what helps is to keep aware of your feet. Vampires generally go for your eyes, they don't go for your feet. I look in your So if you're not in your eyes, you're down to your feet, they kind of, hey, where is she? Stay in your feet, in your, in your spine. Your back is your protector, so you just kind of keep that in mind. And often we are too, too forward, yeah. too, too, and then you're too sensitive to front. Back keeps you protected, grounded. People are saying things, you're aware of your back and your feet. Yeah. So your front isn't open. When it doesn't, you know, so it's you, you know, as I say, you've got this, your personal space and you're sensing that. Now, the degree to which you open up to people who, who move into that or outside it, that's up to you to determine. You know, generally we're a little bit open just to acknowledge. And then you're a little bit more cautious just how much you want to really open up to someone. Otherwise, you get, you know, this, you get shredded. So this is sense restraint, emotional restraint, kaya sankara restraint, just holding it. Yeah. And the composure and the cleanliness of the energy that you're, that you're in will naturally permeate. Whether anybody else picks it up or not is not entirely up to you because they have to actually be interested enough to want to pick it up. And it's, um, you know, and open to it. Don't give yourself away. Uh, often you find animals are pretty smart, you know. They they can generally pick up where people are at. And they, you know, they generally, you know, they quite like. Generally seem to like monks a lot. They come sniffing round and seem quite happy because the energies don't have any harshness in them. Is it normal to feel wobbly or not able to balance during walking meditation? It may be normal, but it's not. Uh, it's there's work. There's some things need to be adjusted. In other words, it's not suitable. Um, so you, perhaps your sense of balance isn't quite fulfilled yet. Mm. Try to walk at a, a speed where you can maintain balance if it feels difficult when you're slow. And walk at a gentle speed where you do feel balanced, and then begin to perhaps you can slow it down if you wish. 
And so you're sensing exactly how the body operates. But remember, mindfulness of walking actually, it doesn't have to be slow, it has to be comfortable. <laughs> and full body, full bodied and comfortable. Uh, you know, so you've got something, a firm foundation for you to settle in. And if you settle in that, you'll find probably things will get more balanced over time. So I think we'll leave it there for today in terms of um, spoken teachings. <laughs>